0: It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his
1: best. This is the best of Mark Levin. All right, what's this case in Delaware County, Pennsylvania? It's a very significant case. Because there's video. There's actual video. The Tennessee Star explained... A lawsuit alleging multiple violations of federal and state election laws... Now, some people, their eyes are rolling over. Particularly in the press. Particularly in corporate America. Particularly Chris Christie. Except when it comes to him. Like a massive uh, sperm whale on the beach during... uh, Remember the hurricane, Mr. Producer? Remember they caught him on the beach? You don't remember that, do you? There he was with his family. A lawsuit alleging multiple violations of federal and state election laws, as well as Pennsylvania right-to-know statute, was filed in Delaware County of Pennsylvania, according to sources familiar with the litigation. The suit was brought by plaintiffs Gregory Stenstrom, Leah Hoops, Ruth Morin, Stenter from a 2020 Republican poll watcher has been outspoken in recent months regarding alleged irregularities in ballot harp canvassing in Delaware County. Defendants include election officials Marilyn Hyder and James Ziegelhoffer, as well as Delaware County, the County Board of Elections, and the County Bureau of Elections. In early 2021, a whistleblower working for the Delaware County Bureau of Elections began inquiring why it was apparent to her that multiple documents pertaining to the November 3, 2020 elections were being destroyed in southeastern Pennsylvania, in that county, Delaware County. The name of the whistleblower has not yet been made public. In May, a third-party attorney filed a request via Pennsylvania's public transparency law, FOI FOIA request, asking for election data and records for last November's elections. In particular, the request asked for return sheets, the official documents on which election results are recorded, as well as voting machine tapes showing the in person vote totals for each precinct. According to the videos and the sources regarding the lawsuit, many such records were actually destroyed because Delaware County officials violated numerous election laws and needed to hide evidence for their violations. The alleged destruction of records was, the sources say, done to ensure the records eventually provided actual actually match the election results that were reported in november twenty twenty. Pennsylvania law requires the records be preserved for 11 months after an election. Federal law demands that such records be preserved for 22 months after election. Pennsylvania law requires the voting records to be preserved for 11 months and so forth. Records in Delaware County were also required to be preserved per a prior lawsuit in which stems alleged election irregularities. One of the videos provided by the more recent lawsuit sources shows Tom Gallagher, a lawyer and election official in Delaware County, destroying elongated pieces of paper. Allegedly, the voting machine tapes election officials are required to preserve. In that recording, the whistleblower asked Gallagher off camera why he's tearing up the documents. Gallagher replies, at this point, I don't want anyone to pick it up and think that we threw stuff away. Another election official, James Zieghofer, identified in the video as Ziggy, Then says, we're going to have a little campfire going. What I don't understand, and this makes honesty and makes me nervous, is why tapes were being thrown away, the whistleblower shown asking Ziggy in a second video. Ziggy began to protest that no tapes were, and the whistleblower interjected that Ziggy and other election officials were throwing away tapes, and she again asked why they did so. He replied, they're all unidentifiable. Now, after the whistleblower pointed out that all election records have to be preserved for 22 months, Ziggy said, well, let's put it this way. Yes, there are tapes that are being tossed, but they are of no audit value. One source involved in the litigation said that by no audit value, he means the numbers contained on the tapes will not match election results publicized last autumn. That video goes on display, on to display still shots of voting machine tapes in a garbage bin, a box labeled miscellaneous scanner tapes not attached to return sheets, November 3, 2020, a return sheet with a handwritten note reading, 11-14-2020, more than 300 blank ball- ballots reserved. Excuse me, received, and ballot return envelopes torn up inside a garbage bin. A final still shot shows a handwritten note stating, quote, there is disp- a discrepancy in total ballots received, because ballot box and return sheets indicate 300 received, but 330 blank ballots returned. 11-14-2020. A third recording captures a conversation between county voting machine warehouse supervisor and Jim Savage and director of election operations. James Allen's about deposing of, quote, pads and second scanners, unquote. After Allen mentions those materials, Savage replies, we can't talk about it anymore. When Al asks him why, Savage says it's a felony. This is all on video. A fourth video shows Gallagher speaking to the whistleblower off camera, saying that another county official handed him a box of election records and told him it was missing V-drives from at least the communities of Chester, Haverford, and Falkroft. V-drives electronically contain information tabulated by the voting machines. The whistleblower inquired of Gallagher why those V-drives are missing, and Gallagher responds, I have no idea. That's the story. That's the summary in the Tennessee Star by Bradley Vasoli. Now, I have additional information to add to this. Additional information to add to this that's not in the story when we return. Mark Levin.
0: Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: I still have information on this that is more important than what I've just told you. More important than what I just told you. Back in November, in November of uh, 20... Hold on a sec, let me make sure I have it right. November of 2020 shortly after the election. I was sent an email, it was forwarded to me, and I read it to you on the air, related to Delaware County, luckily we have the videos, like in Kenosha and so forth, because otherwise this would be poo-pooed, but I think things like this were taking place all over the country. Subject. Urgent. Delaware County Bureau of Elections. Missing precinct data. Action required from judges of election. And this was sent on November 12, 2020 at 10.59 p.m. to all Delaware County poll workers. All Delaware County poll workers. Dear Delaware County poll worker, from Christina Iacono. Thank you very much for your service on Election Day. We know that it was a long day and that things may have been missing during the closing procedures at the end of the night. Unfortunately, due to missing data, election results from your precinct cannot be confirmed and approved for final tabulation until the missing data is reconciled. In order to ensure that all votes cast will be counted, We need at least one member of your election team to come to the machine warehouse ASAP to help complete forms. If you were the minority inspector and were provided an envelope at the close of the polls, please bring the envelope with you to ensure the county has as much data as possible to correct issues in the precinct. The missing data may be any of the following. Bullet. Missing yellow numbered list of voters. Bullet. Incorrect numbers in the yellow book. Numbers... They do not match the scanner tabulation. Bullet: missing ballot reconciliation forms. This impacts the ballot chain of custody. Bullet: missing information on the close of night return sheets. Bullet: missing return sheet. Sounds like they were missing an awful lot, Mr. Producer. The machine warehouse is located at 403 East 24th Street in Chester, Pennsylvania. It will be open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from 8:30 a.m. to 3 p.m. We appreciate your commitment to serve the voters on Election Day and appreciate the time and effort spent helping the county in this endeavor. Kindest regards, Christina Ayakono, Delaware County Poll Worker Coordinator. Delaware County is one of the biggest counties in Pennsylvania. It's right outside of Philadelphia. Now, here's the kicker. You Ready? My wife, Julie, was working on the Pennsylvania constitutional litigation with several other attorneys who had volunteered for the most part. This is the litigation that involves the federal and state constitutions. Not machines, not ballots, and that sort of thing. The heavy lifting, the briefs she participated in, that went to the Supreme Court of the United States where at least two or three justices wanted to hear the cases. That aside, she was contacted by one of the top individuals, perhaps I believe one of these plaintiffs, with this information that they had a s- significant problem here in one of the biggest counties in Pennsylvania. And they asked her to contact the Office of the Attorney General of the United States. And they asked her to contact the Office of the United States Attorney in Philadelphia by the name of McSwain, who now wants to be the governor of Pennsylvania. Julie forwarded this email after making a call to a top senior official who worked for Attorney General Barr. She forwarded this email after speaking to that individual on the phone. The purpose was, of course, to get the attention of the Department of Justice with respect to election issues in Pennsylvania. And these election issues affect, of course, the federal constitution. And this email was more than a sufficient basis to get the attention of the Department of Justice and Bill Barr. You know what happened after she sent the email, Mr. Producer? She heard absolutely nothing back from the senior official or anybody else at the Department of Justice or the Attorney General Bill Barr's office. Nothing. Not knowing people in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Philadelphia, she contacted the U.S. Attorney's Office in Philadelphia and advised them of what had been taking place in Delaware County. The U.S. Attorney is a guy by the name of Mick Swain. Mick Swain uh, seeks to be the Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania. After all, he was President Trump's U.S. Attorney in Philadelphia. Has an excellent reputation. He goes on TV a lot to trash the outrageous Soros District Attorney. Good for him. So she gives the information to the U.S. Attorney's office, Mick Swain's office in Philadelphia. You know... You know what they did with it, Mr. Bidusa? Nothing. She never heard back. And so when Bill Barr made the pronouncement, which has been used by every left-wing journalist and critic and Republicans like Chris Christie, I suppose, when he says, not any information of fraud of any kind has been brought to the attention of the Department of Justice or as U.S. attorneys. That's not correct. That's not correct. I personally know that that's not correct. I just read you from an actual email about the complete anarchy that was taking place in Delaware County. This lawsuit that was brought has numerous videos that have been attached. They cannot be ignored. People saying actual things. Clearly, clearly enough information, not even close to the line, enough information to have warranted a federal and state criminal investigation. I won't name the individual who was contacted at the Department of Justice because I don't know if that individual was the one squelching it or dropping the ball or not, so I won't do that. But if I mentioned the individual, you'd know who it is. And so that's the information I wanted to provide. This is not, well, they brought another lawsuit, oh my God, will they ever stop? The question is, why didn't the Department of Justice, and why didn't the U.S. Attorney's Office, under McSwain, do anything about it? Why didn't they conduct an investigation? Well, it wouldn't have affected the outcome of the First of all, when you have one murder case, it doesn't affect the statistical outcome of the number of murders you're going to have in a country every year, does it? You take one case at a time, don't you? Yes, you do. You don't let people off because it may not affect the ultimate outcome of an election or whatever. That has nothing to do with this. If you have election fraud or some kind of election irregularities that raise serious legal questions, you, uh, you pursue them. And you don't issue a blanket statement that you're not aware of any fraud that occurred in the election. Particularly when my wife was trying to reach, and did reach, the senior levels of the Department of Justice, one of the Attorney General staffers, and forwarded this email to her. Now maybe that that staffer to the Attorney General sent it to the Criminal Division. Maybe that staffer sent it to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Maybe that staffer sent it to The criminal division, I don't know. But the staffer never got back. Silence. The U.S. Attorney's Office never got back. Silence. Nothing. Nothing. And so we have brave people now who brought this lawsuit on their own. Brave people. With videos, a whistleblower... This email, I suppose, other documentary information, the fact that information was destroyed within the 22 federally mandated month period. I'm sure there won't be any congressional investigation of anything while the Democrats control the House and the Senate. There won't be much media interest outside of Delaware County, except on this show, other shows, perhaps, clearly not on TV right now. But perhaps, if the Republicans take the House, they'll take a look. They'll take a look. This isn't a lie. This isn't supposition. This isn't speculation. This is a fact. This is a fact. That's what it is. And, of course, the question's raised. If it can happen in a huge county in Pennsylvania, did it happen in other counties in Pennsylvania? I don't know. I don't have subpoena power. I'm not a criminal investigator with the government or anything of the sort. But it's simply not true. But the attorney general said, and it's simply outrageous that the U.S. attorney, who now wants to be the governor of Pennsylvania, his office did nothing. Didn't even return a call. Didn't even look at it. We'll be right back.
0: Mark Levin You're listening to the best of Mark Levin.
1: Now, the late, not-so-great, former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, once told me right here on the air, right here on the air in front of all of you, that when they say a government shutdown, they actually mean 17% of the government. The entitlements continue. In other words, the welfare state marches on. There's some inconveniences, of course, for people who are on the dole. But so be it. But do you see all the media attention? Oh, my God, there's a looming deadline. They may shut the government down. Now, again, as I've pointed out repeatedly, and the backbumpers burp up and regurgitate, that is, the backbenchers, every weekend the government shuts down. I'll put this to the test. You seniors, I want you to call the Social Security Administration on Saturday or Sunday. No answers. What's that all about? You folks on food stamps, call your food stamp office or whatever you call, call them on Sunday. Anybody there? No. Goodness gracious, nobody's here. Call the CDC. Right now on Friday night, Eastern time. Are they there? No. They've gone home. They've gone home to collect with family members in a closed environment without masks. That's an unbelievable thing. How about the Department of Energy? No, I don't think they're ever open. How about the EPA? No, the environment's only important during the weekdays, and certainly not at night. In other words, the government shut down. Now, they keep adding holidays. Didn't we add another holiday? What was the other holiday we just added, Mr. Perdiz? I forget. What's it called? Juneteenth! I have to confess my ignorance. I never knew what Juneteenth is, but now it's a holiday. So how do you celebrate Juneteenth? You shut down the government for a three day holiday are there like 10 national holidays oh yes the government shut down a lot people don't show up for work a lot people are at home working virally because of the virus all kinds of stuff so it is absolutely unconscionable and reckless to shut down 17% of the bloated bloated incompetent Uh, wealth-redistributing, politically-controlled, bureaucratic-run federal government. Now, in the private sector, it's righteous to shut it down when people in the government tell you to shut it down. Shut the churches, shut the mosques, shut shut the synagogues, and shut your mouth. We've got more mandates coming because of the president of France, Macron, right, Mr. Producer? Isn't this the Macron variant? I think it is. The Macron variant. I jest. No, no, we have a new variant, ladies and gentlemen, that according to the South African government, the head of their uh, medical expertise in their government actually practices medicine, unlike Fauci. You know, unless they play doctor, nurse, wife, husband, you get the drift. But he's not a normal practicing doctor like she is. And she said, it's extremely mild. Now, typically, you don't use the word extremely in front of the word mild. How can something be extremely mild? But you get the point. It's mild. It's mild. So, because it's mild, Joe Biden went over to NIH today, rambled through a pre-written speech, shuffled on the stage, shuffled off the stage, and what did he say? You, the American people, it's your fault. We're going to test you till you're blue in the face. We're going to vaccinate you or you're going to lose your damn job. It's time the American people get behind the Biden agenda. You notice the difference between the approach Trump took and the approach dummy takes? They're very significantly different. Trump actually embraced science. I know, I understand. I understand what Carl Bernstein has been saying to you, but look at Carl Bernstein. He's a fat slob. It's like him talking about nutrition. Carl, you're a fat slob. I don't want to hear about nutrition from you. Or it's like the legal analyst, Jeffrey Toobin, talking about proper behavior in front of your cohorts while his pants are dropped and he's shooting rockets. May I say that, Mr. Berdus? I think I'll say that, too. Yes. Ah, the media. Scum of the earth. May I say that? I will. Why do I keep saying, may I say that? Because I'm doing my best, Joe Biden. May I say that? I think I will. So in any event, government shutdown, bad. Private sector shutdown, righteous. What we have, ladies and gentlemen, are no nothing politicians making scientific decisions. And Fauci is nine-tenths politician and one-tenth scientist. We can check Fauci's decisions with experts all over the country. There's a great one out of Johns Hopkins. There's several great ones out of Stanford. There's great ones out of Yale. There's great ones out of Oxford. Great ones out of the Rockefeller College. Great, great experts who, who study these things, who practice these things. They're not holed up in an office, earning half a million dollars a year. Clawed their way to the top 412 years ago. You remember back when Joe Biden was a segregationist and a racist. And managed to hold on to power. It takes a lot to hold on to that position. The 38, 39 years, really think about that. Think about how vicious and vile you have to be to keep all those young whippersnappers with more background, more expertise, more education from moving into your position. We have a czar in this country. His name is Fauci. And he's about as effective as the last czar of Russia, if you want to know the truth. So nonetheless, we have the Macron variant. I know it's not Macron. I call it Macron. We have the Macron variant. And so more masks, more testing, even if you've been vaccinated. This is the problem. Now listen to the logic. You folks, the American people, at least half of us, are logical. You're being told, get vaccinated. Get boosted. Get Wear masks, wear, uh, wear galoshes, uh, wear paper hats, wear a raincoat, get in the fetal position, under the desk, in the basement, get ready. Don't talk to your family. They may be carriers. Is this what Americans do in the face of a pandemic? Do they double down and fight like hell? Red-blooded Americans, is this what we do? Is this what we're doing all over the rest of the world? Some places yes, some places no. But out of one side of their mouth, they say, you must be vaccinated. Vaccinated, boosted, wear masks, get tested. Okay. In the same paragraph, they're saying, vaccinations, even the booster, even masks. Do not guarantee you'll be protected, so we're going to test you. We're going to quarantine you. And then when people actually bring up science, they say, now, wait a minute, may I discuss science? Well, of course, Fauci says, I'm Mr. Science. Not too big of an ego or a narcissist. I'm Mr. Science. Just like he's an athlete. He throws the ball to home plate and it winds up at first base. Winds up at first base. All these years. Guy's four feet, two inches tall, and he was a great basketball player. Really? Where? Anyway, so they say what? Well, the vaccine's not a guarantee. What a great marketing plan. Get vaccinated, protect yourself. If you're not, you're killing people. But it's not a guarantee. Wait a minute. I'm confused. That's because you're a white supremacist. Oh, got it. That's because you're a racist. Oh, okay. Now, the science applies unless politics applies, you see. There is absolutely no scientific evidence. I've run this through two experts, one from Yale, one from Stanford, on Life, Liberty, and Levin, on this program. They say there's nothing that demonstrates giving a vaccine to a five-year-old, to what is it, a 14 or 15-year-old, is going to do anything. Or that they need it. Oh. So they're going to mandate it. Okay, that's not science. If you have natural immunity which a massive Israeli study, and the New England... What is it? Journal of Medicine. Two days ago, I told you about it. Said that natural immunity is actually, based on their studies, the studies that they've pulled together from all over the world, is actually more effective. Whether you have natural immunity by choice or not. And the CDC doesn't even recognize natural immunity. In fact, about a month ago, they put out phony data challenging it. And our friend Professor Kendor who's a brilliant, brilliant man, unraveled the whole damn thing. That's not science, ladies and gentlemen. Illegal aliens coming across an open border by the hundreds of thousands. Hello? Hello? Hundreds of thousands. From the poorest parts of Central and South America. The poorest parts of Central and South America who are not vaccinated, who are not tested. And not by the way, not just for the virus, but polio, a thousand other things. Well, on occasion, the great Fauci tells us, like the great Houdini. The great Fauci tells us on occasion, you know, when the occasions are relevant, we test them. Now, when it comes to the American citizen, they don't say when the occasion's relevant. No. Some cases they put on German uniforms and they, you shall do the following. You shall do it or else. Now, notice, as I've said many times before. They used to bring up DeSantis. He was the boogeyman. DeSantis said, I have my own experts, my own scientists. We're looking at our data. Florida's the third most populous state in the country. In many cases, he's completely rejected Fauci and the CDC. Florida has the least number of cases, let alone the least number of hospitalizations and the least number of deaths of any state in the country now. You know who's number four? Texas, the second most populous state. You know one of the worst? California. California, which has adopted North Korean medical policies as well as energy policies with brownouts and blackouts, you might have noticed.
0: Mark Lovin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: Is a decision that is rambling, that's largely incoherent, that uses psychoanalysis. There is absolutely nothing in the 14th Amendment, despite despite what the solicitor uh, general of the United States argued, despite what Charles Fried says up there at Harvard. Former solicitor general under Reagan, they keep mentioning. Yeah, he was a uh, solicitor general under Reagan, but... That doesn't give him the credentials. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I knew him quite well. and He wasn't particularly solid as far as I was concerned. Appointments are made and people become disappointments. He was one of them. But all this said, the 14th Amendment, ladies and gentlemen, originally had to do with the freed slaves. The 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution, adopted by three-fourths, Actually more, but at least three fourths of the states. And what was happening was even though the slaves were said to be free, their rights were not their rights were not being enforced as equal citizens. So you have the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. Essentially, way back when it was understood that the Bill of Rights does not apply to the states, read them. That the Bill of Rights do not apply to the states. So what the Supreme Court started to do in more recent history, the past century is they had what they called the Incorporation Doctrine and they started to incorporate the Bill of Rights first aspects of it, essentially all of it now, into uh, application to the states but it just shows you back then how significant state authority was and that so many people ran for state office rather than federal office, because that's where the action was. But obviously, after the Civil War, that wasn't where the action was. And certainly after the New Deal, that wasn't where the action was. Now, I just want to point out that the 14th Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with abortion. So what people are doing is they're saying, you have a right to your body, you have a privacy right. Now, they don't say you have a right to your body or privacy right when it comes to something like a vaccine or most other things where the government's keeping enormous amount of data on you, on your activities, on your movements, on your background, and so forth. They don't say it then. And, of course, we have all kinds of laws. All kinds of laws that go against this privacy right as applied by the left, not as understood by you and me. It's not a privacy right if you believe that abortion is murder to kill a baby in the womb. It's not a privacy right. Well, a woman can do whatever she wants with her body. A privacy right. Well, do you have a privacy right? I'm just curious. Do you have a privacy right in your own home to abduct somebody and to molest them? Of course not. Do you have a privacy right to cook heroin, if that's what you do with heroin, I don't even know, in your bedroom? Of course not. Do you have a privacy right to uh, to hatch a terrorism plot in your living room? Of course not. So privacy rights need to be understood as we commonly understood them. And that's what the left does. They take common language and common words, and they twist them into a pretzel. The question is not whether abortion will survive Supreme Court decisions. Even if the Supreme Court were to rule against Roe v. Wade, there still would be abortions in this country. Before Roe v. Wade... States made the determination of whether there would be abortions and how abortions would be uh, handled. In other words, how early in the pregnancy, how late in the pregnancy. Does anybody think there's a single blue state in this country that wouldn't allow abortion on demand or pretty much abortion on demand? Does anybody think that there isn't a Republican state in the country that wouldn't allow some level of abortions? Even Mississippi is allowing that. We have in this country federalism, 50 states for a reason. We have mobility for a reason. Why do you think so many people are moving to Florida from New York, from Illinois, from Connecticut, from New Jersey and other states? Because they want to be free. They want to be free from vaccine mandates. They want to be free from confiscatory taxes. They want to be free from from governors that allow riots and allow stores to be looted. Where you have in Florida and Texas and other states, governors and uh, governments that say no. So one of the great things we have in this country that keeps this country together, that keeps this country bound and glued together despite its diversity, despite people who support abortion, oppose abortion, support the death penalty, oppose death penalty, support prayer in school, oppose prayer in school, is 50 states, is federalism. Because once the Supreme Court makes a decision, nine lawyers, maybe it's five to four or six to three, so once five lawyers, six lawyers, seven lawyers make a decision— It's imposed upon the entirety of the nation. So half of the country wins and half of the country loses, or whatever the percentage is. This is why you've had a constant battle for 50 years, for half a century, over Roe versus Wade. Because it's an illegitimate decision that was imposed on the people of this country by nine lawyers. Not nine lawyers. I think it was seven lawyers, in fact. But whatever. And now it's a right it's a woman's right. It's not a woman's right. I hate to tell you this, there's two human beings involved. It's not a woman's right. And you know what's interesting? The more, there is, the, the more advanced technology is, the more advanced sciences, the more advanced human knowledge is, the more it's clear that it's a human being. What is it if it's not a human being? So we're talking about abortion of any kind, basically, even late-term abortion, right before the baby's born. That's not a baby? So why do we have throughout this country criminal statutes that if you murder a pregnant woman and the baby dies too, that's two charges of first-degree murder or capital murder? Why is that? Are we seriously not going to acknowledge that that's a human being? We have all kinds of doctors giving all kinds of advice to women on how to, on how to protect their baby in the womb so they come to full term, right? Right. Certain things you eat, certain things you don't do, you know, you don't use cocaine. Why? To protect another human being, that's why. Now, whether you agree with me or not is not the point. The point of the debate now is who gets to decide? Who gets to decide? Now, if you say woman has a right to do whatever she wants with her body, well, of course, we'd have to get rid of all the drug laws, too. But a woman has a right to do whatever she wants with her body. okay. So maybe there's 30 states in the country that say she does. Maybe there's uh, 10 states that say she doesn't. Maybe there's another 10 states that say, wait a minute, I'm going to effectively cut the baby in half. That's how the system's supposed to work. The people have a say in the morality of the nation, in the culture of the nation, not just the elites, not just people who, who are picked from a lottery effectively and become Supreme Court justices. Not just politicians in Washington, D.C., not just federal courts. The people have a say, and they ought to have a say in a matter that's of such consequence. Of such consequence. That's the issue before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's supposed to be neutral. The Supreme Court's supposed to be neutral. I hear it said, no starry decisis, which means precedent. The court is to follow precedent. We have 50 years of precedent. We have this case. We have uh, the Planned Parenthood Casey case. Look at the precedent we have, ladies and gentlemen. Precedent? Do those same people think Dred Scott should be precedent? Do those same people think Plessy versus Ferguson should be precedent? Do those same people think Korematsu should be precedent? Precedent? Of course not. Roe versus Wade broke precedent. That is a neutral Supreme Court that effectively stayed out of this. What was going on in the late 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, and even today, really, is the Supreme Court nationalizing decisions about morality, about culture, about social issues, call them whatever you want, where the court decided the American people were too stupid to decide them, that the states were too stupid. To go their own way, and so whether it's prayer, whether it's uh, whether wh- whether it's a, a manger scene in the public square, uh, whether it is abortion, whether it is marriage, the Supreme Court has decided only it has the intelligence and the foresight to make the right decisions. So it has nationalized decisions. It's taken over all these decisions. Almost none of them have a constitutional predicate. Now, when we come back, I want to dig a little bit further into this. So stick with me. I'll be right back. Mark
0: Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the
1: best of Mark Levin. Now, some of you go, oh, Mississippi's so backwards. Really? It's backwards because they want to say babies? They passed a law that said abortions after 15 weeks, basically four months, uh, are illegal, essentially, in Mississippi. Because they looked at the science and the technology, and they looked how babies are saved. Premies, we call them, I believe. And uh, we, we live in this schizophrenic world since Roe versus Wade that we're not dealing with babies. when well, of course we're dealing with babies. And so the, the radical pro-abortion movement wants to dehumanize as they want to dehumanize so much on the left, they want to dehumanize what we're talking about. So for people who are mostly unaffected by this, women who would never think of an abortion, never had an abortion or a or, or man or what have you, Okay, free to choose. What's the big deal? It's a big deal. It's a big deal for a lot of people. And you can see the politics that plays in this and why the Supreme Court was profoundly mistaken to get involved in this issue at all. Profoundly mistaken. To even take it up. These are nine flesh and blood human beings, ladies and gentlemen, with their own Experiences, their own political viewpoints, in many cases, their own set of beliefs and, and morals and faiths. They have a faith. And so why should they be free to substitute what they think for what you think? Because Roe versus Wade is not a constitutionally based decision. Everybody knows that, except those who are extreme activists. And the media keeps saying that abortions will end. But abortions won't end. Abortions will continue. They will continue. So the pro-abort crowd, depending on what happens here, should be thrilled because abortions will be happening. I doubt if abortions would be ended at all. I mean, in any extensive way. Unless Roe is overturned. And unless the Supreme Court takes the position... In reverses course, completely, that that is a human being, it's not a choice, and so forth, and so on. Despite what some of us wish, that's not going to happen. You know, this group that I talk about, that believes in pro-birth, that I talk about from time to time, a sponsor, they go about fighting this, one pregnant woman at a time. It's called pre-born. And the pre-born folks are wonderful folks. Great humanitarians. Who are strongly opposed to abortion. As am I. And they make an effort every single day. In clinics and elsewhere. To try and introduce women to their babies. Through sonograms and so forth. It's a fantastic group. But the Supreme Court shouldn't say... Abortion is constitutional, and this is what we're going to... The Supreme Court, what they should have said is, we have no role in this. Any more than we really should have any role in the death penalty in the states, too. Or many other areas where the court's involved, I would argue, including prayer. I don't know why it's become so fashionable that these nine elitist lawyers, although I wouldn't call three of them elitist, they're actually quite solid... But why six elitist lawyers and three others should be substituting their personal beliefs. Effectively, that's what Roe is for the rest of us. The people should be able to decide this through their elected state representatives. That's it. Now, I want you to hear some of this, some of the discussion that actually took place in the court today. And Clarence Thomas was actually quite active in the oral arguments today. I consider him a tremendous historic justice. Alito has been absolutely fantastic to Gorsuch in some ways, if not most ways.